Welcome to When Pigs Fly, a podcast that's uncovering Cincinnati's rich business history dating back from the 1800s to today. We talk to companies to learn the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to simply prost to future innovation. I'm one of your co-hosts, Ali Martin. And I'm your other co-host, Patrick Bailey. And today, we are going to be talking with Kelly Amshoff. She is a fitness guru, so to speak. I always use that guru. <laughs> and she is also known and has created a brand called I'm With Kelly. She is originally from Chicago, lived in Cincinnati for a while, and actually moved back to Chicago. And she has worked with so many different studios and athletic clubs around Cincinnati, and then back to Chicago again. And she's just created a whole brand around her name. I'm with Kelly. She's kind of become a bit of a fitness digital influencer. So it's going to be, we're going to do a deep dive into what it's like to produce a brand as yourself as well in the fitness space in 2021. I think guru is very apropos. <laughs> I know. I probably use that a little too much, but. <laughs> no, no, but for Kelly, it's very appropriate in the sense that she's seems to have done everything in the she fitness industry. <laughs> and uh, I, I have worked out with her. You have worked out with her. And she has definitely made us feel it the next morning. <laughs> feel it the next morning. I think she's done a great job and she'll be able to speak on behalf of this, of really evolving with the changes of fitness and, and with the evolution of technology and morphing that into her business. And just thinking about the evolution of where fitness has come, you know, our little history nugget, thinking about the fact that the Cincinnati Athletic Club, we're dating back to the 18, back to 1853. That was, that was uh, technically. What was fitness like back then? What was fitness like? I I don't even know. Nike was not a thing back then, but that was technically one of our first athletic clubs in Cincinnati. So Mm. the club's current location, it's actually built in 1903, but it started in 1853. And the club's location is downtown off of Race Street. And at the time, this is where a lot of athletes would come from Ohio State, Purdue, University of Louisville to get fit to for boating, cycling, boxing, swimming, shot put, weightlifting, wrestling, you name it. Realistically, it was probably mostly so, men. So what um, are you saying? Cincinnati was a, a fitness hub? <laughs> I wouldn't say we were a fitness hub, but that's really just kind of where we potentially got our start <laughs> in, no, this, uh, in the world of competition. Well, and you brought up a good point. It was probably all men. It was probably all men. Now, you have badass women like Kelly coming yeah. in and disrupting the industry. Disrupting so. the industry. And she's a mom and yeah, she has two kids and and she's just, she hustles and, and she grinds. And I, I'm so excited to get her perspective on forming her own unique brand via her name mm. in the fitness world in a world that has a lot of competition. She is definitely breaking through the noise. She has unique opportunities coming up that which we will dive mm. into. So on that note, I think it's time to bring her in. Let's bring her in. Kelly, we are so excited to have you on. Patrick and I, of course, we both know you, which is really exciting. And you really have you know, carved a space in the fitness world here in Cincinnati. And we're going to dive into the fact that you've moved to Chicago. You've still kept your audience, but you're kind of this fitness digital influencer. So let's backtrack and talk about how you even got into the fitness world. 
Yeah. Okay. So happy to be here with you guys. This is going to be super fun. So how I got started, I was not, if you would have asked my friends in high school, like, oh, does Kelly exercise? They would have laughed in your face because I didn't pick up dumbbells. (laughs) I didn't know how to work out. I never exercised, but I was just like, naturally like like thinner. I didn't have to try for it. So then when I went to Dayton, I started partying and I started drinking and eating whatever I wanted. And I ballooned like it wasn't the freshman 15. It was like freshman 25. And I came home by Christmas. Yeah. And my family like commented. They're like, oh, how's everything going in Dayton? Yeah. I bought you these jeans and you can't fit into them. Couldn't fit into any of my clothing. So so I didn't know what to do. And I was- I can relate. (laughs) Right? It was so hard because it was like the first time I had like tasted freedom. So it was, it backfired on me. But I was a musical theater person. And so I'm very attuned to an eight count and to music and to tempo. And so when I went to the gym and I didn't know what to do, I started taking group X classes because there was someone there to direct me the whole time. And it was generally to the beat of the music. So I was like, oh, this is like musical theater choreography and I just am picking up heavy things. Mm. So I was always the front row person. I was tons of energy. I like lived for group fitness. And then my sophomore year, the instructor, Melissa, I still remember her now. She asked me, she goes, do you like want to become certified in this? Because I think you could do this. And I was like, oh, I didn't Mm. know that was an option. So I became certified my sophomore year, taught tons of classes my junior year. And then I took over the department my senior year. So- It was great that senior year to have a touch of management skills because then I was learning how to build a schedule, how to onboard instructors, how to audition and look for what you want and what you don't want. So the getting that back end experience as like an 18, 19 year old was huge. So then once I moved to Chicago for musical theater, still I got an agent and I was doing voiceover work and stage work and stuff. But you, you either as an actor, you either wait tables, you nanny, or you become like a personal trainer because those are really flexible jobs. So I did the fitness route. And I would teach classes. And then about a year after just teaching tons and tons of classes, I got approached by my manager and she was like, Hey, we have a management position open to be a group X Mm. manager. Do you have any experience with that? And I was like, actually in college, I, I kind of dabbled with it. So yeah, I'll, I'll, sure. Short throw me into the fire. (laughs) I can do that. So I became the youngest group X manager in fitness formula clubs history. I was 24 and I started managing two of their locations in East Lakeview and in and Boys Town in Chicago. So loved it, loved it, loved it. Got pregnant with PETA, was living my mm-hmm. dream here. And then they promoted me to take over Gold Coast. So by the time my husband and I moved back to Cincinnati, I was running three of their largest locations. I had 180 instructors that answered to me. I had to do all their budgets. I had to do all their schedules. So it was a lot of work, especially as a younger fitness professional, but it was eye-opening to have the back end. So I credit a lot of my entrepreneur uh, mentalities to those years of managing high-profile gyms. So when did you decide, hey, I want to build a brand out of myself and start owning my own- I'm with Kelly. Yeah. And owning my own space. So we moved to Cincinnati, right? And I love Cincinnati. Love it. Love it. It was a very big shift from Chicago. <laughs> there are no health clubs in in Cincinnati, right? The only thing I could come closest to was Cincinnati Sports Club, and that didn't work out. I was there for maybe two months, and then <laughs> that didn't work out. So then I started just kind of like filtering around. I was at Orange Theory. I was at Barcode. I was at Power 3. I was at the LB. I was at Cycle Bar. Literally, I, I think I ended up being employed around like eight different gyms. At Body Shop was one of them in Cincinnati, and I could not find 
a management style and a business mindset the way that I had found in Chicago. So I was like, you know what? I think I just need, I just Mm. need to do it myself because I know how to do this. I know how to run things. I would say I spent the first year in Cincinnati bouncing around, which was great for me because I gained exposure. So I couldn't have come right from Chicago and opened up my own space. No one would have known me. No one would have trusted me. But by the time I had been at the Cincinnati Sports Club and gained clients and then Orange Theory and gained clients and then Cycle Bar and gained clients, I was ready to make the shift. So the LB, if you guys remember, used to be a rental facility. And that was a godsend because they basically gave me, I think about six to eight months of free rental space just to be like, try some things out, see what happens, do this. Cause I was their studio manager because they saw that I had management experience. So I just kind of like tested out a bunch of different times and test out a bunch. And so like, I had this like weird creative space that a lot of and like professionals don't get because usually you have to start paying rent right away. And that Mm. is what causes people to not go the entrepreneurial route because there's cost involved. But I got like a free start. So I was at the LB and I build up all this stuff and then no one else was making it work. And they were like, Hey, we got to shift the, we're not going to do rentals anymore. We're going to do memberships and your clients will become LB clients. And I was not okay with that because those were mine. Like I had built that. That was my brand. I had started the end with Kelly. So that's when I went off to power three and rented and then just hoped that people followed me. And then it kept going and it kept getting bigger and it kept getting bigger. So eventually I realized from my management experience in Chicago and how how the LB wanted to work. Like their vision was great. And I just kind of took it and was like, okay, I'll just do it myself. So I opened my own mind body. I I went onto mind body and opened my own portal of I'm with Kelly. And the brand name came from people would always ask in Cincinnati, like, who do you train with? Who are you with? Who are you with? Mm -hmm. And I would just, and everyone would be like, oh, I'm with Kelly. Like people just started saying it themselves. And so I was like, Mm. oh, well, we'll just make that the brand name. So I got a logo designed and opened up my own mind body. And then people just started going to that. And it took off, it took off from there. So, so what are those actual characteristics, right? So if you have a studio space and you're building your brand, what does it take to build a good fitness brand? What keeps people coming back to you? I mean, you have to have a personality because any single human can tell you how to do a bicep curl. (laughs) It's not rocket science, but you have to have somebody. I don't know. Sometimes I think it is. (laughs) Sometimes it makes it harder than it needs to, but you have to have somebody that like you're drawn to and that literally cares about you. And it's the hours that you put in before and after. So Mm. before class, you need to make sure that your space is set up and that it's a party so that it looks effortless Mm. because I have a lot of instructors that are really good instructors and super sexy to look at and they pick the right music but they're a hot mess and they come in right when the class is supposed to start. So it's, it's awkward and everybody's kind of waiting around and we look at them struggling Mm. and the mic isn't working and you're like, Oh, this is, I have anxiety. And then they're out the door as soon as it's over. So you can give a kick-ass workout, but if you're not going to put in the time beforehand and the time after, and social media is a huge presence too, because you have to tag people. People have to feel like they've been seen because you can go and work out with class pass and you can go to a million different places. And if you're just going in and leaving, why are you going to go back? You know? So if you have an instructor that takes a selfie with you and posts and says, Oh, this was Ali's first class. I love it. And then reaches out to you and is like, Hey, it's been a couple of weeks. I'd like really love to see you back. You've got to be able to do those touches. I have a lot of instructors in Chicago that tried the entrepreneur route, especially with the pandemic. And they did really great for like three months. And then they just got exhausted because they're like, all I want to do is consistency. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just teaching. You have to, you have to run a business. You have to do the email blast. You have to do Mm -hmm. your, your forecasting for revenue. You have to get people on subscriptions. Like it's a business. So you were kind of prepared for the pandemic before everyone else. So it seems like you've fared quite well during all this. 
I hate to say that 2020 was a blessing because of the atrocities that went on in the world. But for me personally, and it was not expected. I will tell you that too. I thought, because I was in Cincinnati and then we moved back to Chicago and there was no way that I could ever afford real estate in Chicago. And I'm up against really heavy hitters, like people that are leaps and bounds farther along in the game than I am. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to Flywheel and I'll work with Shred and I'll pop back at FFC. And I was just kind of like teaching. But again, without knowing, that gained me exposure back in the Chicago realm. So I had no plans of the pandemic happening. I didn't think I'm with Kelly would survive. When I left Cincinnati, it was kind of like I'm saying goodbye to my to my entrepreneur Brand. phase, yeah. right? So, and that was okay, but I didn't know. And then once the pandemic hit, I reached out to some friends in Cincinnati and I was like, how are you guys doing? They're like, do you want to just do this Zoom thing? Like, I'll just hop on and I'll pay you like 10 bucks a class. I was like, all right, sure. I was like, text a few people and let them know that we're going to be doing this. And it started with text. And then people would Venmo me. And sometimes it would be pay what you can. Sometimes it was a donation. And then we started getting like 15 and 20 people every single time. And people would request formats. And they'd be like, well, can you do like an hour earlier or an hour later? And I was like, okay, sure. Let me get like a schedule set. So then I was building a schedule again and Mm -hmm. hopping onto Zoom. And I would say I did that from March and April. And my husband, God love him, is an IT person. Mm -hmm. And he was like, this is really confusing, like how you're doing this with Venmo. I'm just going to build you a really easy Wix site with a booking system and a schedule and then run it through there. So May 1st, I opened my own website and then all the bookings went through that, which was amazing. And I could capture people's emails and send out mailing lists. And we just did class packs. We just made it really easy and it started growing and growing. And then I updated the website to subscriptions because as any business person will tell you, you want to know what your projected revenue is and you want people to be hooked with you. So it all kind of steamrolled, but it was not the game plan whatsoever. Like, and are you still doing this too now? Oh yes. Yes. We teach, I teach, I finally like this past month Mm -hmm. have given myself one day off a week. Cause it was like, when you work for yourself, there's no one to step in. (laughs) Well, (laughs) she's like, like, I'm doing okay. (laughs) I am very fortunate that I've been able to stay in shape through the pandemic. Oh Um, yes. You have the best job. (laughs) The wine got me. (laughs) Oh God. The wine, the takeout, all of it. It was, it was a lot. Yeah. So I, I gave myself a day off at shuffle. So like one week I'm off on Mondays, then the next week it's Tuesday, then the next week it's Wednesday. And that way, like if you loved Wednesdays, you're not taking that day off permanently every seven weeks that class goes yeah. away. So today was my day off. So then next week, Tuesday will be the day off and, and so on. So, but like, we'll be going to Florida in the first week of August and I'm not going to teach my lunchtime or my afternoon classes, but I will teach every morning. And I've had clients that are like, you should just take off. Just like you deserve that. And I'm like, no, it's a business. If you paid a yeah. membership at shred and then all of a sudden they're like, Hey, we're going to close for a week. You'd be like, what the, f-? Like, you know what I'm saying? So I'd have to prorate their membership. So it is like I work for myself and there there is no time off. And that's another thing that entrepreneurs don't recognize. And then they give up because they're like, no, this is too no. much. This so too will much. will you ever hire someone to be? So if you want to take a vacation, right? I, I, I think of this in the sense of like Jazzercise, right? That yep. brand, I, I recently listened to the How I Built This with Jazzercise. And when she started, it was very similar to yourself where she was mm-hmm. doing fitness classes. And then it got to the point where she had so many people coming on board that it became too much and she had to hire other instructors. Would yeah. you, do you plan to hire other people to work under you to represent I'm I'm with Kelly brand. So, or would you also in, have to rebrand? 
I mean, in my experience, I've done that because I went on maternity leave with my second daughter in Cincinnati yeah. and God love them. Nick Melnick and Kayla Hansman oh, yeah. and Amelia Kubicki they, and Holland Elaine. I had four instructors that were so fabulous and they were just like, no, we'll help you out because you're going to be gone for at least six to eight weeks. And so they kept the ship running, but I heard from my clients and this is nothing against them. It's they came for Kelly. And so when, once I was back, those classes taught by other people just weren't as highly attended because it's, I am the brand. And so my husband gets upset with me because he's like, Kelly, this isn't scalable. Like if you're not willing, yeah. yeah. He's like, if you're not willing to, to, to shift this in a way where other people can do it. But what my thought process is, is that I love to bring other people on as themselves because I mm-hmm. like to be represented as myself. I don't want to work for another brand. So I have like this past Friday, I brought on Gary Alexander, a very well-known yoga instructor in Chicago, and he taught yoga and I just backed off and he got on Zoom and he did it. I've brought on Ben Schneider from Cincinnati Fitness Boxing yeah, and he's yeah. taught fitness classes, but it's not going to be for mine with Kelly. It's that I've collaborated and partnered with other instructors. So yeah. In a, in, a, in a much farther scheme, if I wanted to scale this, I wouldn't scale instructors under me. I would go the LB route where I would become a landlord of a website where other entrepreneurs can come on yeah. and teach under their brand. And then I would stay my brand. And then if my clients wanted to get on on a day off and they were like, oh, I'm going to take boxing with Ben Schneider, they could do that. Because I think this is a world where people And you would are, stay in the digital space too. I'm going to stay in the digital space for as long as possible. Yeah. If I have to, I think someday it's going to have to go back to hybrid. I don't want to own a space myself because there's so much that goes into it. Like when I was at the body shop, like you have to clean it. If a pipe breaks, the air conditioning, there's just so much that takes you away from what I absolutely love. So I would like to go and teach for like a spinning studio, something Mm -hmm. that I can't teach from my living room. And then teach my own stuff. So if I could find like studio spaces that aren't in direct competition with what I do, that's still gaining me exposure. That's still getting me in front of new faces that I could generally take to here. But I don't think virtual fitness is going anywhere. My my Cincinnati clients have said, they're like, this is the only way we can take with you. We don't live in Chicago. I have mm. clients in Paris and the Netherlands that pop what? in. So when I teach at 6 a.m., it's lunchtime for them. And they they are religious. They How did you in. build those? How did you build those relationships? I would say it's word of mouth for a lot of this stuff. So a lot of my people have like shared, but Instagram is huge. Instagram reaches a lot. I used to do paid promotional advertising and people would pop in that way. So, and that's another thing you have to be willing to spend those costs. You know, you have to spend money on marketing and all that kind of stuff. And then a lot of instructors don't want to do that right off the bat. And is this sustainable as a full-time income? Because I'm thinking if someone wants to to jump ship, what's the best advice that you could give someone that they want to make it a full-time opportunity? Yeah. Is it, is uh, it practical? It is. It absolutely is. So I have about, so my membership is affordable, which also not pissed off a lot of other instructors, but a lot of instructors in the Chicago realm were putting their unlimiteds as 150 a month or 130 a month. And I went to 109 because I wanted it to be accessible. And I also am fully aware that what you get in your living room is not the quality of what you get in a studio. Well, also people in Cincinnati are not paying $150 yeah. no. for no. that. Know your audience. Know your but audience. you have to know your audience and you have to, in a lot of instructors, I think the biggest thing that gets in their way is ego. And it's this mm. mentality of like, but I'm worth this. And Kelly, I value myself higher. And that's great. You go and value yourself all day. And when you don't have anybody paying your valued price, come and talk to me because you have to be smart with what the industry is going. What are the industry rates? What are people doing? And like, it's not the same vibe as escaping to a shred 415 and being in that pump and music. Like studio spaces are 
a different quality of a workout, right? Mm. So I think 109 is completely doable. I think that to take unlimited with that. So I have about 55 people that are paying that every month. And so I can project my revenue of like that much. So like, to me, it, it makes pretty good money, but you have to, for someone that's about to jump ship, I would tell them like, what are your prices? How many classes are you offering? And then what are you doing? Like, how are you, what's your net? Like, how are you casting your net to gain new people? Cause you can't just sit back and expect yeah. the same 10 people to pay your bills. I kind of want to backtrack just a little bit. So go, kind of going more on the management route and mm-hmm. Ali's question about, would you ever hire people underneath you? What are you looking for when you know, finding a fitness instructor, you yourself to take over your classes. And also like, what should we be looking for? <laughs> good good yeah. questions. Very good questions. Um, I will tell you the closest I got to hiring someone to work under or not under me, but with me, I like to say with, cause it's collaborative would be Becca Faria. She's an instructor here in um, Chicago. That is fabulous. But she took off and she did her own, her own route, which is great. But the thing that I loved about her was that she knew how to program and she was smart enough. You have to look for instructors that are, oh, how do I word this, that are educated and smart enough to program good moves, safe moves, and make it different every single time. I think a disservice to the fitness industry within the past five years has been things like Les Mills and things like Orange Theory and things like Pure Bar and things mm. that hand you a template and say, teach this because these instructors are no offense to anyone that's listening. I feel so bad, but these instructors become lazy and they become dependent on somebody else telling them what to do. So then when they come into a a realm like mine, they're like, well, what do you want me to teach? And I'm, I'm like, you should know what to teach. Well, what kind of music? Because it's also what do you specialize in too? What do you specialize in? Or do you have a prenatal? If you have a prenatal person, you're not going to take them onto their back for chest press. If you have somebody that's suffering from a knee replacement issue, you're not going to have them do reverse lunges. So it's, it's the experience. I think you have to find instructors. And I think a lot of people at least in the Cincinnati realm, because since he was just exploding with boutiques, right? Like Psycho Bar opened and then Orange Theory opened and all these like sexy things opened. And these people were really, like System of Strength, they hand you the workout as well. So these people got really excited and thought like, oh, I just have to show up and then they'll tell me what to do. I can't work with people like that because you will not have the education to sustain building your own brand because you only know how to regurgitate somebody else's brand. So if I were to find somebody to work alongside, they would have to be somebody that knows how to program, knows how to educate themselves, knows, has the experience of reading a room and everything else. So sure, it's about personality, but it's about education for sure. And experience dabbling into a lot of different aspects of fitness. And I think when I think of fitness, right, you talk about, you know, so cycle, cycle bar, you know, orange theory, CrossFit. Fitness has a very tribal community, right? Mm-hmm. I think people want people mm-hmm. want to be healthy, but in order for them to get motivated to do something, they want to find people that are similar to themselves. How would you describe your community? Then? Sure. My community is a is a fast-paced, cardio-driven, high energy hit community. So we we do do one day a week of mobility, which is good for them, but they need more. So that's why I'm hiring yoga instructors to come in because I mm, understand completely. Good, yeah. That's not my wheelhouse. And I am only going to teach what I feel confident in teaching. I'm not going to pretend and be like, oh, sure, I can teach Shabbat, like a like a yaksha or whatever they are. No, yeah. can't do it. Can't do it. Same <laughs> thing. We're on the like, right track. <laughs> right on the track. Like, I'll go and I'll take CrossFit, but I can't teach powerlifting. And I would never yeah. want to because I don't want to put somebody in a situation where they could where get, they could hurt. get so hurt. So yeah. my, um, I would say my my community is 
light equipment. Like you don't need a ton of stuff. It's very accessible now. Um, but it's definitely like your burpees and your jump lunges. And I believe in getting out of breath and then recovering with strength, all those kind of things. So, and I understand fully too, that I'm not for everyone. Not everybody's going to go take CrossFit. Not everybody's going to be a swimmer. And I think that's the wonderful part about the fitness community. And I hear from a lot of brands like we're for everybody. And that's great. I mean, I, I hope that everybody tries you and stuff like that. But I'm also fully understanding that like there's stuff that I can't give my clients. And so that's why I push them to go and take with other instructors. And that's why mm. I want people like Ben Schneider to come on and teach on my platform. And a lot of instructors will say to me, they're like, but I mean, like, what if they leave you? What if like your clients? And I'm like, if they leave me and they find something better, I completely understand. But my clients also know that they can trust me because I'm going to be putting them in front of people that I know will service them. And it's not just about like me, 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 you have to stay with me. I have a lot of instructors that tried the mm. entrepreneur route and they're like, you don't need anybody else. I can do everything for you and I can oh, do wow. this. And it's that, it's that ego thing. And I'm like, no, that, that, that sounds hollow. That sounds disingenuous. I wouldn't trust you as an instructor. This actually brings up a good point, Kelly. It seems like there's a lot of competition in the fitness space. <laughs> How do you handle that and I guess break through the noise and then especially in Chicago right mm -hmm. <laughs> coming yeah, from real. Cincinnati like there was nothing like you <laughs> in, in the area everybody knows everybody here <laughs> yes. but Chicago um, that you might have you know mm -hmm. a good, hundreds you know, of others hundreds of others that are doing the same thing yeah. And my mind switch, my mentor growing up was Kristen Strom. She's still one of my good friends. She was also my doula and with me for 36 hours of labor. Like she's just an, a fantastic person. She was my manager at FFC. She runs her own like Pilates online thing, which she works regionally with some of the gyms here in Chicago. And she was the one that like broke down those walls for me because she was like, Kelly, there's either competition or there's community and you're going to be the one that chooses it. And she goes, anyone that sees you as competition and wants to walk away, you let them go, but you can go. So I'll go to like Lululemon, their studio here. I'll go to Barry's. And if you start looking at those instructors, as just part of your community. And I always introduce myself and I'm like, Hey, I'm Kelly. I'm running my, this is an amazing class. I'm running an online thing. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And then I always usually am like, I'd love to partner with you. If there's ever any way that we could do a team teach or collaborate. And most instructors are like, hell yeah. Like that would be great because we do it because we love it. The instructors that hold their client base too close, or that get real possessive and like this, you just let them go because that, and that's why, and a lot of times that's brand more than the individual. So like Orange Theory fired me because I went and taught for Cycle Bar and they did not like it. Nothing in my con like contract said that, but they did not like that I would be exposed to another demographic. So let me go. Cycle Bar fired me when I started doing my I'm with Kelly stuff. Cincinnati Sports Club fired me when I went to Orange Theory. There's this mentality of this non-compete and these contracts that own instructors. And these brands have done this for years where they've locked you down. You can't do anything else. So in my experience, the instructors that have gone off and made it on their own, yeah, there's a little bit of competition, but we're also so thrilled to be chain free that mm. we're like, yeah, I, I'll collaborate with you because no one's telling me not to. So you think that they would want their instructors to go out there and meet more people. And then that would bring you, more people to that. Mm, see, this is also speaking from experience, right? When you're locked into a contract, they want to have control over that. But also Kelly, you're probably not the norm in the sense of you have that true entrepreneurial spirit. Hence why we're having this conversation because it does, it takes, it takes a lot more work to go out there and to build a brand, to do the management, to do the scheduling, to create the website, to to you, you have to be disciplined in that way through and 
moving through throughout your day, right? So I think there are less of you and it's easier to bring in people to say, let's create a culture at whatever fitness class and get people on board that way. So what is the future for you? Like, what does success mean to you then? Mm Because I think your level of success means something different than someone who is just a a regular instructor at, you know, a soul cycle. Totally. So I will tell you, backtracking just a little, when I was a Lulu ambassador, we had to sit down and we had to do our vision and goals. Always, always, always. And I credit like so much of my ambassadorship to the vision goals because I remember sitting down six months into my contract with them and they're like, where do you want to be in three years? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know where I want to be in six months. And Brandon Cook was like, I have to have something on paper. Where do you want to be? And I remember writing, I was like, okay, in three years, I want to have my second child and I want to have a, and I was just like, I'm going to say whatever I want. And Brandon's like, fine, say whatever you want. And I was like, well, I want to have a studio in Chicago and I want to still be able to have my hand on the pulse of fitness in Cincinnati. And I wouldn't mind traveling and doing fitness around to some other places. And I want to make my own schedule and work for myself. And fast forward three years, I've had my second kid. I still go back and teach in Cincinnati with all of my Mad Tree events because I've signed exclusive contracts with them. I run my own studio technically from my house in Chicago and we'll be going to Paris next year. So like- (laughs) It happens. I know it's very exciting. So like I credit so much because like without a vision and without knowing what you really want. And Brandon told me, he was like, I want it to be the most ridiculous goal you could ever think of. And Mm. let's just put it down on paper. Sometimes it's good to write this down. It is because you never would think, I never Mm. would have thought when I was living in Cincinnati, number one, that we'd come back to Chicago or that I could have a studio here, but it happened, you know, and you Mm. have to, you have to be willing to to work for what you really, really want. And I don't think a lot of instructors get asked those questions. So I am grateful that I was just asked to write it down. You know? So there's a few things that you mentioned that I want to deeper dive I know. on, which is the Mad Tree, the, are the Mad Tree events, especially for our Cincinnati audience. And then also this like travel, like travel with Kelly <laughs> thing that you've been, uh, <laughs> been kind yep. of promoting on Instagram. So can you kind of unpack those for us? Yeah. Last summer, there were we were all doing virtual. All the instructors were doing virtual. Everybody was at home, and people were dying to get outside and to get with one another. So my friends and I, Becca and I especially, we started reaching out to restaurants here in the city, and we were like, hey, you're struggling too because the restaurant industry is failing miserably with this mm. pandemic. So we want to come in, and we want to bring our clients because they're dying to see each other, and we want to teach a class and then do a brunch afterwards. Let's do one big ticket price, and we'll just blow it up. And these restaurants were so appreciative. So we, I would do that. Like, and it was a hustle, man. Did I want to wake up every Saturday morning and every Sunday morning and get down to West Loop or River North? No, but you have to because the people that were patrons of those restaurants would show up and they became clients of mine. So there's Mm. your exposure. There's your way of gaining clients. So I was like, all right, there's something to this. This is a way that I can gain new clients. So after I did like six or seven of those and they went off without a hitch, they were sold out and you make good money on those too. I was like, all right, I I think this would be really sweet to go back to Cincinnati because I go back and visit my family already. So I'm like, I'm there. What's a space that's big enough? And I contacted Madtree and I contacted 50 West. 50 West was awesome. And they were very, um, they were very responsive to it. But when I spoke with Mantry, they were like, we don't like doing this kind of stuff. We don't enjoy this because it takes a lot of work. <laughs> they're they're hilarious. <laughs> they're totally honest. I love them so much. <laughs> they're like, so if we do this, we, we only want to do it maybe like four times a year and it'll just be you. And I was like, 
Great. And they're like, well, then, and they told me, they're like, well, then we want you to be exclusive with us as well. I was like, what do you mean by that? And they're like, if you ever come back to Cincinnati, the only place you teach is at Mantry. And I was like, well, if we do this, I better never see Pure Bar popping up in your parking lot because it better just be on with Kelly. So we came to a mutual understanding where it's like, they only wanted to dedicate a certain amount of time to making these successful. And they did. And I now don't go anywhere else. So Mantry is my home base. If I come home to Cincy, that's where I go. And I've had a lot of other instructors being like, how do, who's your contact? Can I like reach out to them? Can I do this? And I was like, you can, but it'll be worthless. So it'll be a no. No, no, no. Which is great for me because that's that makes it a high priority type of situation. Mm-hmm. So, and those turned out great. I've had plus fifty at most of those events because the space is so big, and they do a great job with their staff, and we get the entree. It's basically a mini wedding. Like honestly, like I have to do seating arrangements of like who's sitting at what table and what entree selection wow. would you like, and I email out their menu like two weeks in advance to get allergies and you everything else. You become an else. event planner at the same time. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So you, and that, and that's another skill set that's, it's like that mm-hmm. extra little bit of work mm-hmm. that makes it worth it, but you have to put, you can't just show, I do not just show up at Mad Tree. I've put in hours before that event goes off to make sure that it goes off without a hitch. And most of the time I'll come with paraphernalia. So like one time I brought masks that had the I'm with Kelly logo. This past round, I brought resistance bands so that everyone could walk away with something. Like you mm-hmm. have to Swear learn how to, love yes, it's an experience because yep. I know that my competition is steep. Even in Cincinnati, there's really good studios there. So mm-hmm. what can I do a little bit more to get people to want to come back that next time? And people are already counting down until November. So we'll do it again in November and we'll have a whole nother big shindig there as well. So Check my Instagram for November. <laughs> but yeah, now the, now the travel stuff that you've talked about on your, especially on your Instagram lately, it's been like uh, I want to go. How did Paris? Yes. How did Paris okay. come to be? So my biggest tip for anybody that's listening to this is just learn how to say yes. And you just take a lot of leaps and you take a lot of, you just, just do it. And if it fails, who cares? I've done so many things that did not work. I promise we could do an entire other hour long podcast of the failures that Kelly's done. But some of the things that I say yes to, they hit. So we have a restaurant down the street from us, Porton Park. And again, we started just doing boot camps and brunches with them. And the woman that owns it, they, the family's adorable. They're a Greek family. They love our girls. She was like, hey, have you ever thought of doing something like this, like on a little bit of a bigger scale. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, well, I own a travel company and we do excursions around the world. Where would you want to go? And I was like, what are you talking about? Where would I want to go? I was like, well, I would what? love to go back to Paris because I was there when I was pregnant with PETA and I would love to go to the Italian Riviera. And she goes, okay, I'm going to put up an itinerary and I'm going to book these hotels and you're going to teach a class in the Montmartre and you're going to teach a class in the Garden of Versailles and you'll teach a class on the River Seine and then we'll go to the French Riviera and you can teach on the beaches and you can do and I was like looking at her I was like are you serious and she goes would you want to do that I was like who wouldn't want to do that oh, yeah, so, no, so we're doing it so she came up with the itinerary and she booked all of it and we had the excursion we've got a bunch of people signed up for it already she was like when can you go and I was like let me look at Chicago Public Schools spring break for next year because that's when my kids can be with my parents in Cincinnati so we're doing it we're going the spring break week of Chicago public schools so that my kids can go home to Cincinnati. And then Robbie and I are both going to go to Paris. Are there more spots open? There are, there are more spots. With this partnership with, with this travel agency, are they the ones pulling this audience to say new people? So how are you getting those people overseas to come to your class? 
So it's both. So like they're getting, they're gaining me exposure because they have a group, they have a, a whole population of people that usually travel with them. So I would say by the end of the day, they'll be half fine with Kelly people that sign up for this trip and half like the travel agency, but they've yeah. paid for all the flights. They're getting all the flights from respective areas, wherever you live. And they'll take you to the same airport. And we're all going to meet. And then there's like a, a motor coach that takes you around. All the travel is mm-hmm. paid for. Your, your meals are included, alcohol, all it's that stuff. It's almost like an stuff. excursion at that point in time. Yeah. It's like an all-inclusive <laughs> excursion. Exactly. So yeah, so they put all that together and they were just like, let's see what happens. That's really interesting. And again, like I could have been like, no, I don't, I don't think people are going to go, but like, you're never going to know if you don't try. And so if this takes off, then maybe twice a year we go and we travel the world and we do workouts. So that seems like a huge, unique value proposition that not many fitness instructors are doing. Yes. I don't know many other fitness instructors that are, are doing it, but again, it was just, you, you have to talk to who you're around. So like, if I never would have started conversations with this woman, I never would have known that she was part of a travel agency. So it's like, my, my tax guy actually said it to me best. He was like, every person you come up against could be a client. Cause I write off a lot on my taxes, which again, as a, as a tip for fitness instructors, <laughs> get a good tax person. But my tax guy was like, if you go and take a pop school to one of your neighbors, they might remember that. And they could be like, Oh, what do you do? Oh, you work out. I'm going to work out with you. He goes, every encounter you have could be a potential client. So you have to be listening all the time. Yeah. I want to keep going with that too, because I think you naturally have a wonderful energy and a confidence and you're just like such an amazing, like wonderful energy and light to a room. So what advice can you give someone if they're looking to reach out and start a conversation? Let's say we'll use Matri as the example of, I would love to partner with you. What does that dialogue Mm -hmm. sound like? What does that email look like? Sure. You have to be very, very, you have to research. You have to know who you're talking to. So like I, and I did a lot of fails. So like during the pandemic, I would reach out, I would message or email through Instagram accounts. And I'd be like, hi, I'm a local fitness instructor in Chicago. And I'd love to partner with you in this. I would say 90% of the time, never got a response back. 10% of the time, I've had partnerships with Bob Running Strollers that ended up paying me to do promotions. I've had promotions with Gooder Sunglasses and different supplement lines and Blue Harvest CBD that pulled me onto some of their commercials. So like you will get a lot of no's. And if you're an instructor or if you're just a human being that gets defeated by hearing the word no, you should not be an entrepreneur because entrepreneurs get told no 90% of the time and it should fuel you to work harder for the 10%. Every time someone says no, or every time someone doesn't reach out, I'll go and do five more accounts. And then once one lands, then I'll spend a little time with that one and I'll work on it. So like Madtree, I researched their website. I researched this. I asked a lot of my clients like, hey, does anybody know anybody at Madtree? Who knows people? And one of my clients lives down the street from the woman that does their events. And she was like, oh, I'll connect you. You need to go straight to this person. Because if I would have gone through just like the generic one, it would have gotten lost in the shuffle. They would have red flagged it. Like, no, we don't do that fitness warm events. introduction. It's who, you know, so you have to be a very good networker. You have to not be afraid to ask people for favors. I reach out to my clients all the time and I'm like, Hey guys, who knows somebody at the Chicago Tribune? I really want to get a write up in the newspaper. I want to get this. I want to get on the news. People will talk around people do this, but if you're like embarrassed or like timid to like ask, you're never going to, mm. you're never going to branch out. So You have to be willing to hear no a lot and you have to be willing to keep coming back and keep asking and just saying like, what, 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 what's next? What else can I do? So, so if you were going to go to Madtree, I would say to research, figure out who, you know, maybe you only know a waiter. Maybe you go and you have lunch there and you just 
start conversations with That's your waiter. One of the and best you, ways to do it. Best ways because they know everything and they're not always the ones that are contacted. So they enjoy being part of the team. So I would sit down, I would have a beer, and I'd be like, hey, what's your favorite thing on the menu? I'm going to have you order for me because I have no idea. And then once you get your food, this is delicious. I love you so much. Thank you for this. Who runs all of your mm-hmm. stuff? Like, who's in charge of this? And then they start talking. Then you're like, well, you know, actually, like, I've been doing these events and I would, this space is gorgeous. Like, did you take part in this? Because this is stunning. And then they'll be like, oh, no, I didn't. But like, and it's like, well, I think that we could do a class. Who would I talk to? Like, who would you have me talk to? And then there you, you go. have a card. Yeah. Then you have your contact. Yes. That's such a, that's a so backtracking too. you, you were saying, can't be afraid to, for people to say no, you've gone through a lot of failures. What are some of those big staple failures that really sticks out to you that you learn from that you've you've really grown? Well, I will say I'll do two. The first one is yeah. small. It's not a huge one, but it was one that like really like, ah, uh, like shocked me because I was rolling through this pandemic thinking that I was hot shit and I was gaining all these <laughs> clients and I was doing all this stuff. And I don't have that many followers. I'm not a huge influence. I'm a, they consider me a micro influencer because I'm under 10,000. So <laughs> Instagram's like, time, uh, you're yeah. not that big. <laughs> I'm micro. However, brands also like micro influencers because once you get over 10,000, the majority of the time you've paid for it and you've got a lot of bots on your site and you don't get as much of an engagement. So yeah. I've been told by branding companies- that I've hired to done. stay under 10,000. They're like, don't, because you have a better reach. You have more profile visits. You have more engagement. So, but I reached out to a couple of big name brands and they straight up responded like, you're not big enough. Thanks. And I was just like, ah, so like that sucks. Ouch. I know, but you got to eat a little bit of humble pie here and there. So whatever. But not to say that you can't get there eventually though, right? Totally. Because you're, you're taking more of the... In, outside perspective, more of that organic route, because it is, you can easily tell who the person is with 25,000 followers and you get three comments and yes. And you, and you also are questioning their accounts. Exactly. I I have friends of mine. I have friends that totally paid for it because when they'll post and it'll be like the picture of them holding a coffee cup, like nothing, nothing crazy within eight seconds there's 4,000 likes. And I'm like, okay, that's robots. Like, come on, like we can see it. So like, you can see it. So like the Instagram thing, I had to really work on like distancing. Like it's a great tool, Mm. but you can get absolutely lost in that rabbit hole and it doesn't matter and no one really cares. And you're wasting all the time that I spent on my Instagram could have been spent in much healthier ways of gaining Mm. clients. So I've definitely taken a backseat with, it's still there and it's still a necessary evil and I still work with it, but not to the extent that I used to. But I would say the big failures were getting, I mean, I've been fired from a lot of places to the point where the last time I was fired, because I've I've been working for myself for a while, Mm -hmm. like I was over a text message. It was through Cycle Bar and I'll just go ahead and say it because the new owners came in and they did not like that I had a brand. And I was texting and I was reading it out loud. And I remember I was sitting breastfeeding Birdie because it was right after she was born. And Robbie, my husband walked in. He was like, is this happening again? And I was like, yeah, again. So like he got to recognize it and it just, but every time I got fired, it was, it helped. It helped so much because then those people that loved me at cycle bar couldn't take me at cycle bar anymore. So they became mine with Kelly clients. So it's always like a direct fuel in another way, but you have to be able to see it that way. Because if I would have gotten defeated every time I was fired and kind of thrown in the town, been like, I just need to find a new profession. No. Because it's it's interesting that you're not, it's like burning bridges. Yeah, you're getting fired, but you're not also burning bridges because you are still keeping people 
it drove people to me. So yeah, yeah. like I gained so many clients from being let go from places. So when Orange Theory- She's moving bridges. She's moving bridges. Um, No, I love that. Moving bridges, not burning bridges. Because like when I left Orange Theory, when they said, they're like, hey, we don't really love that you're at Cycle Bar, blah, 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 blah. All those people that were like, oh, but Kelly was my regular OTF instructor. They followed me to Cycle Bar. So it drove money to Cycle Bar. And then Cycle Bar was like, this is great. And then it all happens. It's just a vicious cycle. So- the more you cannot lock down people, the better. And now when I partner with instructors in Chicago, they willingly bring their clients. So like when I worked with Gary Alexander for this past um, yoga, I was like, I would love to expose my clients to you. I know that they need your skill set, but I'm going to say five spots open for your yoga and instru- yoga people. See if they want to try my boot camp because I think that yoga people don't get enough strength training. So like bring them. So he would bring five of his people to try mine because he knows that he's not giving them strength training. And now I can promote my business to them at the same time that he's promoting yoga to my people. So it's a collaborative effort. Like if you can just see the community over the competition, other instructors are huge gateways into gaining exposure if you do it the right way. And how are you, how do you keep going day to day? This is kind of a cliche question, but Ice this, this, and then I start thinking about just the people who are in your life that are supporting you and, and how important Robbie is in your life and maybe some of your close family and friends. How does that intertwine with your day to day to keep you grinding and hustling? Yeah, I would say that having kids is one of the biggest pushes because mm. I know that once my kids are up, I'm mom. And so people are like, how do you get up at 5 a.m. and teach a 5 a.m. and a 6 a.m. class? And I'm like, because I know when I click off at 645 that I can set that section of my life away and I can become mom. I didn't like when I was running around to studios that I'd have to leave my kids all day long because it was a 30 minute commute. I had to get to a studio 30 minutes prior, spend the class in there, get back. They never saw me. So like when I'm tired and I'm up in the morning, I remind myself like, hey, you're home you're going to click off of here and you can go wake them up and get them dressed. So like you have to be able to see the positives of it. Robbie is a huge help because even right now, like Robbie's got the girls and they're out of here because he knows that like with my office being at home, that he respects that space. And so when I'm on or when I'm teaching, I never hear the kids. I never hear the dog. He's got it like under control. Another reason why we had to move to a house because we need more space. But yeah, I mean, it's the the toughest thing for me too with this was time changes because Chicago's Mm -hmm. on central time and a lot of my clients are Cincinnati and that's EST. So like teaching a 6 a.m. here feels really early, but that's seven for Cincinnati. And they're like, hey, we need something earlier. I've got people over on the Pacific, like over on the West Coast and they do my on-demand channel. That was another thing that Robbie helped with. Like being married to an IT person, person. <laughs> that, that's your biggest tip. Marry an IT guy. <laughs> Marry an IT guy. Or be best friends with an IT guy. Because Robbie was the one that he was like, listen, you have to have an on-demand channel. And I was like, that just yeah. sounds like a lot of work. And he's like, I'll do it. We'll, we'll record every single class. It'll automatically upload. And this way you can push it. So I have, I don't even know how many I have on my on-demand. Like that is a subscription that it pays me when I sleep because there's people all yeah, over the world that huge. take it. Mm-hmm. So like, if you can make money when you're not doing anything, that's awesome. It's like reading the four-hour work work week. Uh, yes. They talk heavily. I, I, have you read that? Yes. Yes, I have. Yes. That's another thing. Read. Read the books on entrepreneur and business, the amount of books that I've read on social media algorithms, the amount of books that I've Which read is ever on changing, startups. Yeah. Ever changing. So, But there's like marketing books to read. There's business plans to read, like fit ways to like connect with your clients better. Like there's always something to be doing. So like that's my other tip. If you ever run into an entrepreneur that's like, I've done everything. No, you haven't. 
Like you have to have, (laughs) yes. Like if you have the, um, the personality where like you want to do what you need to do, get it done. And then it's done. This isn't a good line of work for you because entrepreneurs always have to be like, all right, what's next? What, like, cause you, you never can get complacent. Apple doesn't get complacent. Apple's always, why do they always come out with new iPhones? You know, like you have to always be doing something more. And I think a lot of the fitness businesses that have sat back and it's like, well, we did a really good business model. So we're going to ride that for as long as we want to you'll fail because by the time you wake up and realize that you need something new, somebody else has already done it. You're late to the game. You're late. So how, and also this is me shifting gears again a little bit, but you have two kids, right? I think in the day and age that we live in now uh, for, for us as I'm speaking on, you know, from my behalf and my perspective, you get a lot of like that millennial generation where a lot of us actually aren't having kids nowadays and Oh, Mm -hmm. we're all, we're super career driven. So Mm -hmm. From your perspective, you knew that you wanted to have kids and that you wanted to have a family and you're obviously making it work. What is your perspective on raising a family along with starting a business? Yeah. Um, Go read Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In because it's one of the best books ever. She talks all about women in the workplace. And I used to have a lot of, I'm in a better spot now. So I'm glad you're interviewing me now instead of um, (laughs) two or three years ago because I had a lot of angst. I was always very mad that I felt like I was at a poker game and I had a lot of joker cards in my hand just because biologically I could carry children and my husband couldn't. My husband never had to take a a second brief notice in his career. He never had to worry about if he was interviewing for a job, would they think like, oh, he's of maternal age. He's going to start having kids. It was never a playing card for him in the line of the game. And I was mad about that. And there's nothing he could do. There's nothing that I could do. Biologically, women carry children. But Mm -hmm. we have to take these big breaks. And I would read books and I would watch women that wanted to be mothers. And so they would take a couple years off, which I think is fine. Do that. There are times that I wish I would have had more time with my kids. But then you have to reinvent yourself and you have to start all over and you're late and people are like, what's your most recent experience? You haven't worked in four years. Like there's all these things. So I used to carry a lot of anger around Mm. um, that. And I felt bad. I had two girls. Right. And so when I had two girls, I would look at Robbie and I'm like, they're going to have to deal with this shit too. I know. Right. And I was like, listen, like they're going to have to deal with maternity leaves and all of this. Like it's so much easier as a man. Like I'm in, so, and Robbie's wonderful. Cause he's like, they'll be that much stronger because of it. Like they're going to have to work on. And so Robbie's we've so gotten positive. around, <laughs> Robbie's so positive. Robbie's amazing. Robbie also was talking to me the other night about how his boss is a woman. And she would say things like, well, you can't take this for granted. You have to do this. And she's had to work her way up the ladder, like zigzagging. And Robbie looked at me and he goes, I've never had to do that. I get to go straight up. And I, and I just took it for granted, like, cause that's just what I do. And now I'm listening to the, the jumps and the hoops that my boss herself, who's way more powerful in the, in the line of things than Robbie, but she's had to work three times as hard. And so he has a very down to earth appreciation and respect for what women have to go through. And for that, I'm eternally grateful because I can't imagine being a partner with someone that doesn't get it. But as far as having kids, it was again, my mentor, Kristen Strom, cause she has three and I watched her carry her kids to the kid center of the gyms and she would treat, teach a client. Like that's what I used to do. Like when Peter was born and I was a 26 year old living in Chicago, I took her to work with me. I would breastfeed her in the kid care center, hand her off to the attendant, go and teach a class, go and train a couple clients, come back, feed her on the other side, go to a meeting, do this. She was with me all day long. And I was appreciative because number one, it saved me a ton of money. And number two, I wasn't handing her off for eight hours a day to like a daycare Mm -hmm. center. She was with me all the time. So like her and I were like buddies. We like hopped on the train together. We hopped on the bus together. We were everywhere. And I would just, I would feed her and take her to work with me. And everyone knew like, oh, there's PETA. But 
I credit that to having workplaces that respected working mothers. So if you're in a work position and you're in a work environment that does not appreciate the value of a woman, and I say that just as a woman, because to value your female employees, that comes hand in hand with the fact that you understand at some point they might have to have a little bit of extra space. And if you don't see that, those women aren't going to come back to that workspace. And that's a detriment to everyone. So I worked at gyms that were very understanding and were like, no, we love you and we value what you do. So whatever you need to get done to be here as a part of the team, we're on board with that. It becomes a partnership, right? And sometimes even maybe just like a simple conversation, because I think sometimes we can assume the worst, right? You said it yourself, you had this pent up anger. And what was that light switch, flip of the switch moment for you that that started to alleviate that anger? Oh, that's a really good question. Because I would say I had that anger even after Bert, because I watched other women in the in the fitness industry that yeah. didn't have kids and the amount of time that they could spend just mm -hmm. on honing their skills and working and they could hustle. And I couldn't because I had to be home and I had to do these things. And so I had a lot of like resentment. And I think that that just that eased its way out once we moved back to Chicago and I struggled a lot in Cincinnati because a lot of it, I was surrounded by a lot of moms that were moms and that did that. And they Just did, moms, yeah. and that's okay. Cause that is a full-time job and I can't do it. Like I can't hack it as a stay-at-home mom. My best friend, Carly Stone, she is way stronger of a woman than me. Cause she's got four kids and she, that's her full-time job. And I have like, in my opinion, like an escape, right? I can escape. I can get out. I can, I, I needed that for me, but every woman is different. But I would say that once we moved back to Cincinnati or for, to Chicago for a number of reasons. I think a lot of that resentment waned because it's, I'm surrounded by a lot more working moms and a lot more women in the workplace that do both and it handle it. And a lot of women that don't have kids until much later in their life and it's not right in your twenties. And so they've got different understandings and stuff. And I don't mean to be downplaying Cincinnati at all, but we were surrounded by family in Cincy where like my mm -hmm. mom and Robbie's it's a different, mom were like, it's a different culture. It's a different culture. They didn't understand why I felt the need to to be working when I was. And so it was just a different, it was a culture shift for me. So that helped, that helped a lot, but it's hard. And, and having Robbie, I met just being, that's more of like the, the ground roots of the foundation too, is having a, a partner, whether it's your work partner or your life partner, mm -hmm. that is supportive and understanding. Yes. And I don't believe that every entrepreneur is married to a wonderful spouse. I don't believe that at all. Yeah. I think that there's plenty of entrepreneurs that are single and killing it and doing it. And they've got this, but I can't imagine trying to make this work because it is a big hustle and it's on odd hours and having a spouse that is just not supportive. And Robbie was always, always supportive. And he would be the one that would say it. He would look at me and he's very calm and he's very understated. And I'm like <laughs> way up here. And then so I would work. come to him. I know, right? I would come to him super <laughs> frustrated at like a place of work. I'd be teaching at some kind of a studio in Cincinnati. And I'm like, they don't understand, Robbie. The schedule sucks. They're not doing this. They didn't critique this. And he would just look and he goes, so what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? And I'm like, I should just do it myself. And he's like, maybe you should. And so he was, he was just, reverse so psychology. Always, he does that. He does that big time. And so I was like, okay, fine. Then I'm going to just do it myself. And so he was always really you storm out the door. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Guys, yep. you should be taking notes through that entire, <laughs> yeah. that entire well, segment. We'll get Robbie on here for another podcast of like dealing with entrepreneurs. Yeah. Relationships so. and entrepreneurs. Yes. It's a whole absolutely. other podcast. So, so yeah. So, I mean, it works. It works. So I'm sitting here just thinking. How are you going to scale this beyond Chicago, beyond Cincinnati? And you, it sounds like you are, especially with like the travel piece that's going to be coming next year. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do to go maybe take over, let's say, California and New York or even right? more global? 
Yeah. I think what's the next step is going to have to be, and I've been thinking about this a lot, is that I'm going to have to find a company that has a nationwide reach and that I could probably work part-time with. So I believe that virtual fitness is here to stay, but I think it's going to become a supplement. I don't believe it's going to be everybody's end all. I think it's going to be like, I'm going to go pop into a CrossFit class, but maybe on Tuesday I'll take one of Kelly's at home. Like it probably won't be everything for everyone. So for me, I'd like to work with a nationwide brands like my ex fitness or iFit or something that has a reach where I can work out of Chicago because I'm in a main hub and I can teach classes through them that don't conflict with what I do here. Spinning is probably going to be my big realm. If I could find a company that I could would work it be with, like a Pel- would you consider like a Peloton? If, you, if I lived in New York, you pretty much have to live in New York City to to be with Peloton or like, I believe. They but is that, would, would that be a good representation yes. for, for people yes. to understand? Then you become a part of that subscription base and you yes. build up your own. Okay. Yes. It would be great to have a studio. And I know that there's a lot of things in the works in Chicago, especially of companies like Shy Society that I work with that are trying to get brick and mortar spaces, but they also on the off-peak times when they're not teaching physical classes, they rent the space for virtual people like me so that I can teach my classes out of there. So like I could go in and teach a spin class for like physical people and then flip it and turn on my computer and teach for my I'm with Kelly people. And I would just pay them rent. So like I think there's going to be like a weird hybrid of in-person and virtual. And the companies that are willing to do that, the companies that are willing to offer in-person classes, but also understand that virtual is still here. And like, we're not going to be able to get the best talent if we're not willing to work with the brands that they've built. So I love, I love Equinox. I love them very much, but they were very much, once they opened their doors back up, they told all their instructors, you can no longer have your own brand online. Like you are the Equinox brand. And some instructors were like, fine, I don't enjoy the hustle. I can let that go. I'm back in the studio. And some instructors were like, I just spent a year busting my ass to get these people and they follow me. And so it didn't work. And so then they won't go back to Equinox and Equinox is like, damn it, we've lost all of our really good talent. It's like, well, you didn't have to, if you wouldn't think of owning people. That's such a, every industry is dealing with that right now. It's how do you, how do you collaborate with people who are personalities and you're a talent in, in, in that sense, Mm -hmm. and you've built your own brand and you bring another audience and these brands obviously value you and that, but that partnership of, the brand and the individual, I think a lot of industries are still trying to figure that out. Still figuring out for sure. Because Lifetime Fitness is opening up here in the River North mm-hmm. in 2022. And I know the guy that is running it and he's reached out to me several times and been like, I need a group X manager. I want you at River North. It's going to be huge. And I was like, if you can have me and my, my brand, mm-hmm. then I can come on. And he's like, I just kind of feel like if it's a salaried and benefit position, you can't, it's going to be a non-compete. And I was like, then I'm just what? not your person. So- I know. Yeah. And then, and, but then is, so where is that negotiating happening to then? Does it, does that conversation eventually escalate? If you choose to have your own brand and talk about benefits, do you lose the benefits and you say, well, then I'll just come in at an hourly or something where you have to loosen yeah. the reins. I, I don't know. Again, people yeah, you'd be a contractor. Really figured it out. You're a contractor. And yeah. And I've been a contractor for, for many gyms in the past. I was contracted yeah. through barcode and through power three to help build things with them. And I like contract work because I'm in, I'm doing what I need to, but I'm running my own business on the side. Right. Yeah. So like that would be fine. But I don't, I, I just think that these, um, 
well-established brand establishments that are doing it, they're going to just have to, it's going to be a vernacular that they're going to have to adapt to. Like you're not getting the same talent you did pre-pandemic. The good players, the strong players built something for themselves and they're not going to give it up. Most of them will not, you know? And so there's going to have to be a give and a pull. And maybe I'm going to have to give a little bit. Maybe I'm going to have to, because Studio 3 is another one here where they were like, that's fine, but I need 75% of your social media presence to be Studio 3. And I was like, yes, but I'm only coming on to teach two spin classes for you. And I teach 14 of my own, but you want 75% of yeah, my- Yeah, do the math. That doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. But they were like, sorry, we need to see that you're a team player. And at the end of the day, guys, I'm a team player for myself. I really am. Like, I'm not good at it. Like, so I just was like, thanks. That's but at least another you know thing. yourself in that sense. Totally. Yeah. But that's another thing that entrepreneurs need to learn that like, for as much as you're going to hear no, you're going to have to say no a lot too, because- mm. It, it looks great. Studio 3 is the sexiest gym in Chicago. Their faces are all over billboards. They've got all this. And that would have been a great experience for me. And so I sometimes look at it and I'm like, should I have done that? But I know that the sacrifice would have been too big. But for other instructors that let go of their brand and jumped on. Or that could be their step in. Who knows? You never yeah, know. You never know. You never know. But you have to be willing to say no to certain people. And you can't just be like, okay, I'll give this up for you. But then also having a vision too, if if you're saying no and you're also not willing to to have a vision and and bring something to light and work and produce, Mm -hmm. right? That's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. I actually have my last question. Yeah. You've dropped a whole bunch of knowledge (laughs) for our (laughs) listeners. Like I hope people literally were taking notes, everyone. (laughs) Um, So what would you say is, I guess, your biggest life lesson from having just experienced all that you've experienced and you know what can people do to get to where you're at okay oh good one Patrick and this is going to sound very cliche but I'm going to expand on it so give me a second I would say that the biggest life lesson that I've learned is that you have to do it with love or you should not be doing it and if I could have done anything else that I would have loved more than fitness, I probably would have done it because this takes a lot of work. But I love my clients. At the end of the day, the reason why I get up at 5 a.m. is because I love seeing 25 faces pop up on my screen. I love them. I love how much they give. I love going to events. I love being in front of people. My musical theater background, I'm basically still performing theater because I'm on a mic. I'm bumping to the music. I love it so much. So like, if you get to the point where you're just going to clock in And you're just going like, I just got to go teach this class. I got to do this. And there's going to be days where it's a little bit more of a job. But if it's not something that you love, don't, don't try to go down this route because there's so much work involved that the only reason why you'd stick with it is because you, you know that you won't be as happy doing anything else. So, and I think that that also reflects to, you have to love where you are. Like I'm fully aware that I can scale this and I can make this bigger. Right. But if I don't fully appreciate, I used to look back, I'll give you one example. I used to look back on my days when I was at FFC the first time in Chicago with rose colored glasses. And I was like, man, those were the days, like those were the days when like I was teaching at those three gyms and I was such a badass and I was doing all this. But I realize now that like I'm living in one of those right now. Like I'm going to look back in three or four years with rose colored glasses on where I am at this exact moment when Mm. I'm going to be like, I was teaching in my living room and I didn't have a commute and I was earning my own money and I had all these clients and I was traveling to Cincinnati. I got a Paris trip. And if I was too dumb and too naive to recognize that right now, I'd only be able to look back on it later. So in my opinion to everyone, it's like, love where you are right now. Like, yes, you should work and yes, you should hustle. But if you don't fully like 
immerse yourself and how great like the work you've put in is, you're always just going to get frustrated and you're going to be like, I can't keep up. I can't do it. Like, cause I can easily get overrun with, I need to do this and do this and do this. And I will. And I set my lists and I have my marketing calendar and I have all my back end. and you do your prep work, but you also have to do this with love. You have to be able to step back and be like, God, I love where I am right now. Mm. Like this is, this That's is self-reality it. check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. That. Well, on that note, we'll leave it on the, on the <laughs> high note. Kelly, this is great. Yes, Thank Kelly. you, guys. Let us know when you're teaching spinning glasses again because yeah. Ali and I will be front row. Heck yes, yes. You know I miss those days. I know. And I'll let you guys know for the next one when we go to Mad Tree, and you guys will have to be there for that one. Oh, too. yes, please. And all magic. the One Pigs Fly listeners will be there as well. Yeah, yes. I love it. <laughs> love it. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you having me. She just dropped a bucket of knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to re-listen to this and (laughs) make sure I'm taking even more notes. (laughs) I think, but gosh, where she stands, and maybe that's just because I could personally resonate to it heavily. Mm. I think a lot of people can too, where we are demanding more of our lives and our work culture. And I think maybe it just comes with the nature of the beast that as our society progresses, mm-hmm. we have a lot of conveniences at our fingertips. Higher expectations. You know, so higher expectations, but that also means we're growing into these workspaces that we we want to feel fulfilled mm-hmm. in our life. And I think she, Kelly is that example of I... Uh, fitness fulfills me entertaining and and the acting aspect of it, right? Because she did theater. That's also part of it. That fulfills her, but she also just wants to create something on her own. And a lot of, I think a lot of people are feeling that way right now. And I think the digital space, which really also obviously helped her during the pandemic, has opened up a whole new audience to her. So she's in that gray area along with a lot of us that, which way do we go? Do we commit to a big brand yeah. and become a part of them? Or do we try to go out on our own? And it is a happy medium balance. We don't want to say a big F you to all these big brands. We want to collaborate. But how do you make it work where mm. everyone is happy? And that might, I don't know, maybe it won't happen. Well, I think but. she's found a unique way to do that, right? You mm-hmm. know, when I first met Kelly, it was spinning. <laughs> and I just remember, yeah. I'm like, wow, like I wish all my fitness instructors were like that. Like I yeah. hate working out. And so I was like, okay, I'll go. <laughs> we didn't really talk about it, but she, she will kick your ass on that spin bike <laughs> slash any of her fitness classes yeah, from no, experience. Yes. I'm very sore the next day. Exactly. And so, you know, I thought what she was doing in Cincinnati was amazing because it was totally new for the city and it was totally new for myself. And then she was doing this virtual building a community piece way before the pandemic. So she was way ahead of the game. And I think it's only allowed her to say yes to more of those opportunities because she was prepared and she was like, okay, I'm ready for the next thing, that very entrepreneurial mindset. And so now she's doing, you know, those events. And then now she's mm-hmm. going to go travel. Like, uh, by the way, Ali, do you want to, do you want to go to Paris and work out? I or? would love to go to Paris. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll uh, hop on that, uh, that train, but you know, I think. Or plane. <laughs> <laughs> True. I guess you can't take a train over the water. Uh, But, you know, I think she's, again, was able to not only go from building a brand of herself to building a company, right? It was. Yeah. And her company is her, is her, is her brand, which is interesting. It's like, 
But that's the influencer world. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the influencer world we live in. And mm. it's making it's when you're creating a brand, you have to make that decision, right? Do you want to scale it? And how do you want to scale it? Because when you throw in a name, it does that pigeonhole yourself. Mm. But then I think of like Kylie Jenner, you know, she had the, she was able to turn her, her name into an even bigger brand, million billion dollar company, whatever it bigger is. Bigger than her sisters. Yeah. Bigger well, than her sisters. Right. Yeah. So it's possible. Mm-hmm. Well, and then I think, you know, that was a question that I think like the, th- or theme that kept up constantly. It's like, okay, so like, how are you going to do more of this? Right. And I think she's asked herself that question multiple times too. And I think she's just going to try things out from what it sounds well, like and see what's Yeah. And it's, and it's a service. It's a service too. So mm. I'm bringing, going back to that Kylie Jenner example, Kylie, she's created a product, which mm she's able to get out to millions of people, lipstick, eyeshadow, whatever, makeup is her thing. So does Kelly one day potentially move into more of the equipment fitness Mm. space? I don't know, because as a service, when you are that brand, you're the one who's networking and getting your face out there. But when do you shift gears? If you want to expand and you want to keep your name as the brand, do you have to go into more of a product-based rather than it being service-based unless you're willing to train, like, because if, unless you you train people. I think she kind of was kind of dabbling in that with the on-demand workout videos, right? She's productizing Mm. her service. Which is huge. Yeah. And so I would love to see where that goes. And like one thing Mm. I wish I asked her and maybe she'll do, like, this would be a great service that she could sell to like businesses, corporations, or just like small, medium-sized businesses that just want an employee park to keep their employees around and employees healthy Quick little and lunchtime hit workout. Let's go, you know? Yeah. Get up that seventh inning stretch. <laughs> get up, get up from the computer. So yeah. no, I'm excited to see where she goes. And personally, I cannot wait to take another one of her classes. So yeah. And if, and if anyone wants to check her out, check out her fitness classes, Mm. I would say the best place to do that is going to her Instagram at I'm with Kelly. You can find her latest classes and everything that she's doing. Yeah. Her website's on there and she talks about the travel, but this is another good point, Allie. Go follow When Pigs Fly on Instagram, Don't Facebook, forget about us Twitter, <laughs> LinkedIn. Make sure you are subscribing and downloading our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, because that's the only way this industry works. Ali mm-hmm. and I have come to learn. Uh, and we love to hear from you. We really do yes. appreciate the feedback. Please reach out. Uh, the ones who have been active with us on LinkedIn, Twitter, thank Instagram, you. Facebook. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we wish more of you did that. So please like and review and reach out. And on that note, Ali, I think it's time to cheers. Cheers. And here's some necessary legal stuff. Allie Martin and Patrick Bailey developed the When Pigs Fly podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or other financial interest in the companies which appear on this show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the EW Scripps Company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employ us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment or legal advice on this show. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. We also want to give a shout out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync.